You are listening to the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee radio broadcast. The host and executive producer is Dr. Janine James. All of their programs are archived, so go to www.timeforanawakening.com and place in the search portal elders. The Sankofa Council of Milwaukee is an affiliate of the Black Reality Think Tank Radio Network. Reach out to them at Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. And I repeat, Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414-988.
poor, we're poor. Ashe. We're poor to the creative spirit, the great Ashe out of which we all emerge. Ashe. We pour to that creative spirit by whatever name we know it, whatever name you hold in your heart, in your mind, whatever name your ancestors gave, whatever name you learned as a child, whatever name you believe it to be, whatever name you believe it to be in spirit or in science. Ashe. We pour to the first human beings who came into existence on this planet, the first human beings who raised the first structures, who cooked the first meals, who taught the first children, who had the first children, the first Africans, the first people who stood upright, who walked, who figured out how to stay on this planet, who figured out how to pass that knowledge on to their children and their children's children, the mothers and fathers of civilization. Ashe. We pour the next libation to their grandchildren and their children's children, those who raised the great early civilizations of Kemet and Kush and Monomotapa, the great medieval civilizations of Ghana and Mali and Songhai and Kanem-Bornu. We pour to those who great the great civilizations of the Igbo people and the Hausa people and the Kikongo people and the Mambara people, the great Monday civilizations, the great Kikongo, the great civilizations of Southern Africa, the Bantu people, the great civilizations of Southeast Africa, the Dinka, the Shilat, the Nur. We pour to those millions who raised the foundations from which the world would learn what it meant to be human in the world, I say. We pour to their children who upon the arrival on the shores of people they had never seen before, found themselves captured and marched overland, found themselves perishing by the millions before they were held on the holding cells and the open air pens on the coast of West, Central, Southern, and East Africa. We pour to the ancestors who did not know as they were stripped of all clothing and sent denuded into boats, packed like animals, and strewn their bones across the floor of the Atlantic and the Indian Ocean. We pour to them who in the last moment on Africa grabbed the sand and grabbed the dirt and put it in their mouths and understood that the only thing they might have to preserve their place in that continent was their memory of that place and their ability to pass it on to their children. We pour to them. Ashe. Ashe. We pour to those Africans and their children who finding themselves cast adrift in Santiago, Cuba, who found themselves cast adrift. In Puerto Spain, Trinidad, in Puerto Prince, Haiti, who found themselves cast adrift in New Orleans, in Charleston, and Mobile, who found themselves cast adrift in Salvador, Bahia, who found themselves cast adrift in Barbados, and the archipelago that formed the wayward and the windward coast. We found them in these places, learning Portuguese and Spanish and French, whose often first words was, oh my God, oh Madre de Dios, who found themselves praying to survive and pass on to their children the memories. We pour to those ancestors who are represented in the thousands, buried in all the square miles of where we stand, and who sit here, buried before us in 400 caskets, forged of wood from West Africa, with the Dinkra symbols. Each one of them, each woman, man, and child, symbolic of millions the children of those who could not be killed, we pour our shame. We pour to their children who somehow survived the hells of enslavement and fought for emancipation in the Caribbean, the French, British, Dutch Caribbean, who fought for emancipation in South America, who fought for emancipation in Central America, who fought the struggles we refer to as the Civil War in the United States, who came out of that, marched out of enslavement through Reconstruction and found themselves making great migrations, eventually ending up in places like New York. Their children's children, who making a way for themselves, became our great-great-grandparents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our parents, 
those who when the first bones were discovered in this space held their hands and said stop no more we are here to speak for those who can no longer speak with their mouths we pour for those ancestors some of whom came to Howard University in 2004 and followed these caskets all the way back to New York we pray to the great ancestors the ones whose names we know and the ones whose names we don't and at this moment as we pour this libation I would ask anyone who feels comfortable to say the name of someone in your bloodline who is no longer physically here, but who you know made it possible for you to be here. Go ahead, let's hear the names. Haywood Carr, Porter Griffin, Evelyn Glover. We pour to the names that we hold collectively. Ganga Zumba in Brazil. Toussaint Louverture, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, and Henri Christophe in Haiti. We pour to the great Avengers, Nandy of the Maroons of Jamaica. We pour to the great ancestors, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass. Say the names that you study. Who are the names of the ancestors that you have come to hold in your heart and your mind as you hope that you can do what they did for us, for your children and children's children? Let's say some of those famous names. Kwame Ture, John Henry Clark, John Dr. Jackson, Jacob Carruthers. <laughs> and finally, two final libations. We pour to those who make it possible for us to do what we do. We pour to these rangers who stand guardian over this sacred space. We pour to these Africans and these folks who have come from Howard University, the staff, the faculty, the administrators who brought us here today to bear witness. This is not a libation, but an affirmation because their hearts still beat, their tongues still speak, their minds still think, and their minds still wish the best for us. We pour for all of those people who surrounded us on this journey today and made it possible for us to be here. We pour this affirmation of thanks, Ashe. Ashe. And finally, we pour to your children's children's children who will one day stand on this fate and speak your name. Ashe. Ashe. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people for they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of the Thank you so much for that kind introduction. Sometimes I feel like a fatherless child. Sometimes I feel like a fatherless child Sometimes I feel like A fatherless child A long way from home A long way from home that spiritual was resonating in me as I watched the presentation today. Um, the beautiful story, 
that was told uh, through Brother Antonio Suarez. Inside, I was holding my breath at times because I was crying. I didn't want to disturb the performance, but I was crying because I know young men like the one that that was told, shared in the story today. I cry for them because um, there is that fatherless son, that fatherless child. They're red, they're yellow, they're black, they're brown, and some are white. And they're trying to figure out where do they fit. They want to be seen. They want to be loved. They want to be able to dream and believe that their dreams can come true. They want to believe that they will live long enough to live their dream, to become their dream. I cry because I think about those traps that have been set for them. Traps sometimes set in the neighborhood. Sometimes the trap is in the family. Sometimes the trap is at school. Instead of wanting them to succeed, it's as if there is a conspiracy, if you will, (laughs) to destroy them. When if only we would embrace them, encourage them, love them, oh, the contributions they will make to our society. And some make it in spite of it all. But so many fall through the crack, get caught in the trap. So my challenge to you is what are you going to do to help these young men and young women with dreams fulfill their destinies? Sometimes it comes in the form of the scholarships that help young people get those undergraduate degrees and MFAs and help them to get those those opportunities to attend trade schools, to acquire the skills they need so that they can make a contribution, not only to, as we say, our society become a a citizen of the world, but just survive in this world right here, in this community. Milwaukee needs you to invest in our children. So I don't know how it's going to manifest for you through giving scholarships just by smiling as my Angelo would say just saying good morning <laughs> but giving people a chance to live without being fearful to be able to walk down the street and not have to worry that they may not make it home to be able to attend school and not be afraid that someone's going to come in and with a gun and shoot it up. To be able to fulfill themselves as an artist without being labeled. To be able to be. To survive. My heart cried. I felt all of this. And yet I'm not without hope. This is why I continue to work as an artist to tell stories that will inspire hope, that will encourage someone, that will 
inform an audience and open their hearts, open their minds so that they will make a difference, so that I can be the difference in some young person's life. I want to thank you so much for being here today. I thank Dale Orlander-Smith and Antonio for their genius, Mark Clements for directing, the rep for producing, you for investing. Thank you.
Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414-988. You are listening to the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee radio broadcast. The host and executive producer is Dr. Janine James. All of their programs are archived, so go to www.timeforanawakening.com and place in the search portal, Elders. The Sankofa Council of Milwaukee is an affiliate of the Black Reality Think Tank Radio Network. Reach out to them at Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. And I repeat, Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. Welcome. This is Dr. Janine James, and we are the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee. And we are here today with Sister Afua Mayat Kotep. and Mother Atharta Akti, and Queen Mother Shabaka is with us today. And boy, oh boy, are we in for a treat today. I am so happy that we are able to learn and to get some culture here today 
and we're going to be learning about and talking about the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival. But before we get into that, Mother Asarta, if you would please give us the purpose of the Sankofa Council from our bylaws. Hello, uh, Dr. James, uh, Sister Afua, Queen Mother, our listening audience, and our guests. Um, uh, the purpose of the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee is an ever-evolving community dedicated to cultivating Sankofa, the reclaiming of our African memory, our African governance, and our African spirituality in order to provide a healing and empowering environment for people of African descent globally. Through an immersive exploration of study and practice, we exemplify the principles of Nguzo Saba, which provide moral and unifying values as the foundation for constant movement towards restoring our people to our traditional greats. We study and exemplify the ancient laws of Ma'at that allowed our ancestors to flourish, to survive, and to pass on a legacy of greatness, and to interact harmoniously with the world by honoring the universal consciousness in all of creation. We contribute the skill sets that we've acquired as we seek ways to share with our descendants the principles that have historically been our strength and that have sustained us through captivity, colonization, and acculturation. We are dedicated and we're committed for as long as it takes to fulfill this purpose. Thank, Thank you. you. Ashe. And Mother Sarta, having gotten us into the right frame of mind of where we are, Sankofa Council of Milwaukee, you would want to expand our knowledge by giving us our ancestral profile today. Yes, and our ancestral profile this evening is Lorraine Vivian Hansberry. Lorraine Vivian Hansberry was born at Providence Hospital on the south side of Chicago on May 19, 1930. She was the youngest of Nanny Perry Hansberry and Carl Augustus Hansberry's four children. Her father founded Lake Street Bank, one of the first banks for blacks in Chicago, and ran a successful real estate business. Her uncle was, Leo, was William Leo Hansberry, a scholar of African studies at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Many prominent African-American social and political leaders visited the Hansberry household during Lorraine's childhood, including sociology professor W.E.B. Du Bois, poet Langston Hughes, actor and political activist Paul Robeson, musician Duke Ellington, and Olympic 
gold medalist Jesse Owens. Despite their middle-class status, the Hansberrys were subject to segregation. When she was eight years old, Hansberry's family deliberately attempted to move into a restricted neighborhood. Restrictive COVID COVID, in which the white property owners agreed not to sell to blacks created a ghetto known as the Black Belt on Chicago's South Side. Carl Hansberry, with the help of Harry H. Pace, president of the Supreme Liberty Life Insurance Company and several white realtors, secretly bought the property at 413 East 60th Street and 6140 South Rhodes Avenue. The Hansberries moved into the house on Rhodes Avenue in May 1937. The family was treated threatened by a white mob which threw a brick through a window narrowly missing Lorraine. The Supreme Court of Illinois upheld the legality of the restrictive covenant and forced the family to leave the house. The U.S. Supreme Court reversed the decision on a legal technicality. The result was the opening of 30 blocks of Southside Chicago to African Americans. Although the case did not argue the racially restrict covenants were unlawful, it did mark the beginning of their end. Lorraine graduated from Eaglewood High School in Chicago, where she first became interested in theater. She enrolled in the University of Wisconsin, but left before completing her degree. After studying painting in Chicago and Mexico, Hansberry moved to New York in 1950 to begin her career as a writer. She wrote for Paul Robeson's Freedom, a progressive publication which she put which put her in contact with other literary and political mentors such as W.E. Du Bois and Freedom editor Louis Burnham during the protest against racial discrimination at the New York University she met Robert Nemiroff, a Jewish writer who, sorry, <laughs> who um, she shared her political views. They married on June 20th in 1953 at the Hansberry home in Chicago. In 1956, her husband and Bert Beluda wrote the hit song, Cindy, O oh Cindy. Its profits allowed Hansberry to quit working and devote herself to writing. She began a play she called The Crystal Stair from the Langston Hughes poem, Mother to Son. She later retitled it A Raisin in the Sun from the Hughes poem, Harlem, A Dream Deferred. A Raisin in the Sun the first, was the first play written by an African-American woman to be produced on Broadway. She drew upon the lives of the working-class Black people who rented from her father and who went to school with her on Chicago's South Side. She also used members of her family as inspiration for her characters. Hansberry noted similarities between 
Nanny Hansberry, and Mama Younger, and between Carl Hansberry and Big Walter. Walter Lee Jr. and Ruth are comp- composites of Hansberry's brothers, their wives, and her sister Mamie. In an interview, Hansberry laughingly said, quote, Benita is me eight years ago. Her second play, The Sign in Sydney Bloomstein's Window about a Jewish intellectual, ran on Broadway for 101 performances. It received mixed reviews. Her friends rallied to keep it running. It closed on January the 12th, 1965, the day Hansberry died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 34. Although Hansberry and Nemirov divorced before her death, he remained dedicated to her work. As a literary executor, he edited and published her three unfinished plays, Les Blancs, The Drinking Gourd, and What Use Are Flowers. He also collected Hansberry's unpublished writings, speeches, and journal entries and presented them in the autobiographical montage taken from a speech given by Hansberry in May 1960. Quote, though it be a thrilling and marvelous thing to be merely young and gifted in such times, it is doubly so doubly dynamic to be young, gifted, and black. Lorraine Vivian Hansberry, an awesome contributor to the the arts. She was young. She was gifted. And she was black. May she rest in peace. Ashe. Ashe. That's absolutely fabulous. I'm glad you shared that one with us. I learned something as you gave the history of where she lived. She lived a block, one block, on the same street that my family lived. I never knew that in Chicago. So I'm going to have to go back to the neighborhood and take a look at that, uh, where she lived. But thank you so much for sharing Lorraine's story. And we have the privilege of having with us to help us in our understanding of Nguza Saba principles, Kuumba, and we've asked our own Queen Mother Shabaka to bring this knowledge to us today. Queen Mother Shabaka? Yes, ma'am, I am right here. Well, we're ready to learn. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. Good evening, everyone. Um, honored to be here. I am um, taking a break from some noise so that we don't have background interference. So today we're talking about Kuumba, the sixth principle of the Nguzo Saba. The Nguzo Saba is a set of principles which inspires a personal and social practice that not only satisfies human needs, 
but transform a people. And I think we can all agree that our people are in need of transformation. So, Kuumba means creativity. To do always as much as we can in the way that we can to leave our communities and our people more beautiful and beneficial than when we inherited it. So most often we hear Kuumba associated with the arts. And the arts are associated with musicians and dancers and actors and poets and visual artists. And uh, we associate artists with creativity. But this evening I'd like to share some excerpts from an article that was written by Maulana Karinga as he was explaining the Kawaida practice. And I would say that Dr. Karenga was a an exemplary example of creativity because he came up with these, he envisioned these principles, these moral principles that to guide our lives. Nobody saw them before, and uh, I think that's that's the example of creativity. So creativity is a faculty within our spirit that enables us to imagine things that we haven't seen before. We all have it in varying degrees. So we can imagine, we can all imagine a cultural revolution radical social change and restoring the traditional greatness of our past in order to re- to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial. This is Sankofa. So we can imagine our people immersed in our African culture. Our culture, and this is a quote from Dr. Karenga, Our culture provides a necessary moral dimension to our struggles, providing life-enhancing views and values that inform and undergird our practice and teach us the good and rightful way to walk, work, and struggle in the world. The ideal of Africa is a spiritual and ethical ideal and compels us to see our culture, people, and history in the context of the sacred and within the dimensions of the divine. Our ancestors taught us that we, African people, people of African descent, are bearers of divinity and dignity. And as humans are divinely chosen 
to bring good into the world. Dr. Karanga says that Kawaida asserts that there is no people more divinely chosen than our own. No history more sacred or significant and no culture richer or more resourceful in providing us with a foundation and framework to this mission. Historically, African art fulfilled this mission. They constantly reminded us, reminded us in pleasing and entertaining ways of this mission. The artists used music, theater, dance, poetry, and visual art to reinforce and remind us of our divine mission. So, are today's artists ready for the responsibility of bringing out our creativity so that we imagine ourselves quoting Dr. Karenga as injured physicians who must heal ourselves and oppressed people who must liberate ourselves in the process of repairing and transforming the world. I think that really speaks to what Sankofa Council is about. Such a self-understanding moves away from a discourse of pathology and hopeless victimization, unquote, Dr. Karinga. So I'm asking, are we ready to wake up our creativity that helped us survive enslavement and racism for centuries? Are we ready to wake up our African language and logic that is liberated and liberating Wake up our African spirituality that gives us self-knowledge and order in society. Wake up our African education systems that empowered us by promoting cooperation rather than competition so that everybody wins. Wake up our communication and information media to keep our people informed, wake up our connection and identity with Africa so that we can rebuild our homeland. This is how we can leave our communities more beautiful and beneficial than when we inherited it. Kuumba, let us recognize one of the greatest artists of our time, the visionary that gave us the Nduzo Saba, Dr. Maulana Karinga. And let us reflect on how we can use Kuumba every day. Thank you. That is it. Thank you so much, Queen Mother. Boy, oh boy, you gave us much to think about. And we are so grateful to have with us Sherry Williams Pennell. And Sherry is a native Milwaukeean and a versatile artist 
whose passion for the arts has led her to perform, direct, teach, and write for a number of arts organizations, including First Stage, Florentine Opera, In Tandem, Milwaukee Chamber, Milwaukee Public Theater, Milwaukee Rep, Milwaukee Symphony, and Skylight Music Theater. Beyond Milwaukee, Sherry has worked at Oregon Shakespeare, Utah's Old Lyric Rep, University Opera Madison, University Theater at UW-Madison, and Children's Theater of Madison. She is producing artistic director and founding member of the Bronzeville Arts Ensemble. At Calvary Baptist Church, Sherry is the co-directs the drama ministry. And in, ninth, in 2017, Sherry was honored as an artist of the year by the city of Milwaukee. We are so happy to have you here with us, Sherry, and to help us to know about the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival. Finally. <laughs> I'm gonna say something, my sister, Dr. Janine James. I am so blessed to be here. I'm so honored to join you this evening with this beautiful gathering of the San Sofa. Uh, I, looking back, hearing Queen Mother instilling in us this history of um, our sister Lorraine Hansberry and then the Ingrupo Saba uh, Kuumba. I, I, I feel uh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm even more energized. I'm going to tell you we're in the middle of the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival, which will open on Wednesday with the planning and also Black Arts Fest is happening. <laughs> and uh, we're just celebrating my husband's 70th birthday. So there's a lot going on but i am energized right now because of what i have heard and i have been challenged by uh, this this evening i am so pleased um, to be able to speak about the milwaukee black theater festival this is our third year the first year we were virtual the second year it was a hybrid of being virtual and having a few performances before a live audience but this year we have a live audience and we have the blessing of underwriting sponsorship so that we can offer our plays, which have been written by African-American playwrights, some local, one very nearby in Chicago, but offering free to the members of our community. So I'm saying don't let anything hold you back from joining us. We open on Wednesday, August 10th with our youth and family night outdoors in the Ndaba Community Band Shell. This is an evening of performances by young people from the ages of 8 through 18 and different theater companies throughout the city and even some beyond Milwaukee's border are presenting positive storytelling uplifting, dancing, singing, and spoken words. Even one presenting scenes from a play which was written by the young people themselves. So we have a presentation from the Club Music, 
first stage, Black Arts MKE from Milwaukee Rep. For, uh, just if you could imagine, almost every theater company in Milwaukee will have young people of all ethnicities performing that evening. Free at the Indaba Community Band Show, which is on 24th and North Avenue as a part of the St. Anne. On Thursday, August 11th, at the Table Vocational Center, and I hope you hear all of these different locations, we're taking the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival into the community so that people can, can walk. <laughs> they can walk to, from their homes um, to these different venues to indulge in the Black uh, storytelling. This particular uh, piece is called Chloe's Beautiful Blues. It's the world premiere written by Makita Caldwell. Another young woman, not originally from Milwaukee, but she's been here now for uh, at least, I'm going to say at least 13 years, so she considers Milwaukee her second home. She was, uh, this, this play is inspired through, uh, by a real-life event of a young woman who is being teased by her, about her dark, beautiful, blue-black skin. She's from the Sudan, and she was teased, and Lakita working at one of the schools, became a mentor to her. And she was inspired to write a book, Chloe's Beautiful Blues, that now is a play. And in this play, we are affirming the spectrum of colors that exist in the pigmentation of black people, all of it, from the, the ebony to the cafe au lait, all of it is beautiful, but affirming uh, one another. And this production uh, will be offered twice at 1 o'clock and 7.30 at the Indaba, uh, excuse me, at the Table Vocational Center on 53rd and Center. And then on Friday, the 12th of August, in the Wilson Theater at Vocal Hall Market Center, there's another world premiere, and this one is Milwaukee Wilson theater play that also uh, has a healing circle and a talkback that follow the one o'clock performance and the 7.30 performance. This play was, in, I was approached by the Mothers Against Gun Violence to take the transcripts of the accounts of gun, gun violence survivors and to tell their story. But I had to find, uh, I'm going to say the light. Where was the light in this storytelling? Each person that is sharing their account as a result is not a victim, not just a survivor, but a thriver. As a result, they have gone on to found movements, one of them which is Mothers Against Gun Violence. So, uh, and one, there's at least one character that all of us will know. I'm just going to say it like that. And when you come see it on Friday, August 12th, at either 1 o'clock or 7.30, you'll find out who that, that person is. And I'm not going to say characters. These are real people, people who live in our community, who are sharing their stories. And through the, their words, actors are interpreting their truths, their stories, their experiences. 
on Saturday, August 13th at the Milwaukee Youth Arts Center. We have a new young playwright by the name of Shaw Cage, who is from Chicago, who was inspired by Hidden Figures to write a children's play, Hidden Heroes. And this will there again be a reading uh, of this new play at 1 o'clock at the Milwaukee's Arts Center, which is in Brownsville, Milwaukee. And then at 7.30, this is the one event that, is, that requires a ticket, that there is a, a cost to, to, to uh, experience. And that is the Family Reunion Concert Fundraiser, which is directed by Antoine Reynolds. And this fundraiser is celebrating the families of soul and gospel. I'm telling you, this is going to be one uplifting, wonderful concert with the band and his singers. And um, we've got a, a real wonderful MC who's going to uh, help take us through this journey. <laughs> and on Sunday, August 14th, in uh, Studio 4A, there is a, the theme family reunion. Milwaukee Black Theater Community, let's talk. We're going to get together and discuss some of the challenges and some of the successes of producing theater, black theater in Milwaukee. At four o'clock, Malena Young, excuse me, Malena Moore, a young playwright, they're from Milwaukee, who has written a, a play, This Just In, and there'll be a reading and a talk back. And then at five o'clock, we end our wonderful week of performances with Milwaukee Voices of Gun Violence Artists. These are gun violence survivors who are using the arts to heal through song, through dance, through spoken word. Um, I am uh, really excited about ending our, our, our festivity with this showcase. And as I said, all of this, with the exception of the fundraiser, has been underwritten, sponsored, therefore, we are not charging for admission. Well, thank you so much. Um, Sari, uh, we are so grateful to have you here to share this information. Uh, we are getting ready to go to the top of the hour but I want to beg of you to give us just a little bit more of your time because we have some questions for you um, and we want to come back to you just momentarily. So if we could do our top of the hour and we're gonna come quickly back to you. All right, uh, you know, let, let's do that.
Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414-988. You are listening to the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee Radio Broadcast. The host and executive producer is Dr. Janine James. All of their programs are archived, so go to www.timeforanawakening.com and place in the search portal elders. The Sankofa Council of Milwaukee is an affiliate of the Black Reality Think Tank Radio Network. Reach out to them at Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. And I repeat, Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. Sister Apua, are you ready for us? I am here. Um, We would like to invite those that are listening to call with questions or comments. Our number is area code 215-490-9832. Again, that is area code 215-490-9832. 9832. And for those that are interested, we do invite you to contact the elders of Sankofa with any questions or comments to Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. That is S A N K O F A Council C O U N C I L M K E at gmail.com. Back to you, Dr. Jane. Well, we are so happy to be here today, and we have with us Sherry Williams-Pinnell, who has been telling us about the lineup of the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival. And um, I know her time is short. She's got lots of activities to do. Uh, but we wanted to give this uh, just a little more time for us to understand how did this festival concept come about? Is, you, is Milwaukee unique in having such a endeavor or is this seen in other communities? I, I think the Black Theater Festival is becoming 
uh, an important part of the theater community across the country, but theater is a very expensive art form <laughs> because you don't produce it by yourself. It involves many different uh, uh, people. It has many layers, directors, actors, musicians, if you're doing a musical, uh, it, it has the designers, all the production. So it's very costly. So in producing a theater festival, you multiply the investment that you're making in the art form. So I'm going to say while it, it, it's gaining momentum, I think Milwaukee is in, in, on some levels a leader uh, for those communities that are outside of Chicago, New York, you know, those large, and Atlanta, of course, the Atlanta Black Festival and the National Black Theater Festival, which is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But I just was, I'll tell you, I was just recently at the uh, Black Theater Network conference in uh, Detroit. In fact, just, uh, it sounds strange to say, just two weekends ago, <laughs> so much is going on. But uh, when I was sharing the schedule for the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival, they, they were, uh, people were saying, they, and these are people from all across the nation, and they're saying, wait a minute, Milwaukee, you have that many people in Milwaukee that are writing and performing. You have that many black people in Milwaukee, number one, in Wisconsin. And I said, yes. And then they said, well, wait a second. These are, these are all new pieces. This is new work, new plays. And I said, yes, we are interested in, in cultivating the talent that's in our community. So while we are uh, inviting other playwrights, African-American playwrights from the, across the country, we really want to concentrate on cultivating the talent that is in Milwaukee. And we have talented people right here who we can encourage, we can mentor, and we can get behind financially so that we can get their plays produced. The new stories, new voices, and I'm going to say a fresh way of looking at, let's be honest, old problems. You know, a lot of what we experience, we experience generation to generation. But these young people are, are giving us a, a new way of, of, of expressing uh, and finding some creative solutions through this art form of theater. We are, again, very pleased to have you here with us today. And we know that you are from Milwaukee. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your uh, early journey was that has you at this pace in time? You've had, it sounds to me, a very diverse uh, set of experiences, but how does one prepare for this type of career and um, and how did that happen in Milwaukee of all places? <laughs> well, I'm going to share with you, I was blessed to grow up in Milwaukee during a time when Milwaukee Public Schools had a very strong arts program. Now, I'm going to tell you, I grew up on Sixth and Chambers. I was probably, uh, uh, would I consider, 
today um, so-called uh, economically disadvantaged on some levels, but at Milwaukee Public Schools for very little, for a very uh, small fee, you could take piano lessons, dance, theater. Uh, I was in choir, uh, forensic, uh, you, you name it. And the other thing is my mother used to say that uh, uh, idle time and a mind is the devil's workshop. So she kept it busy. My mother signed me up for everything. And uh, if it was free or the, or the fee was manageable, I took dance lessons. I took ballet, African dance, uh, on Saturday morning that used to be called Schoeben Junior High. I took French horn and uh, piano. <laughs> so all of this being poured into me by uh, also at Calvary Baptist Church, I, I was in the choirs and because I took piano lessons, well, you had to practice what you learned. So I had to play for the Sunday school and <laughs> I'm not gonna say I was the best pianist, but whatever you do study, you found a place to practice it. And that is, you know, to, to try it out before an audience. So, and the, the church was one of those places that supported the growth and the, the cultivation of, of um, talents and gifts in the children. So I got an opportunity to, to perform <laughs> before a very appreciative and supportive audience. I have to tell you, when I graduated from Riverside High School, and by that time, I think I sung in every choir at my church except the men's ensemble, and I was the uh, uh, the youth choir director, and at Riverside High School, I was the student director for um, the, the concert choir, and well, I was in the orchestra, the band, so you would think when I went away to college that I would have majored in the arts, but... <laughs> My, my mother believed that that was a hobby. So when I went away to Spelman, I was a pre-med major at first, and I'm gonna tell you it's a good thing things did not work out because so many people would have died under my care. <laughs> that is not my gift. <laughs> that is not my gift. Uh, so, but thank goodness I had some wonderful um, uh, academic advisors at Spelman who helped me to take what I already had been studying into a different area but also freed me then to uh, participate in the dance corps at uh, Spelman as well as the Spelman College Glee Club that allowed me to sing and develop as a vocalist, to develop some techniques, and then to, uh, to travel across the country raising money. Well, when I returned to Milwaukee, I was working uh, with my uh, Bachelor of Science in Natural Science and get this uh, health sciences uh, as a sex educator. Yes, I said that, a sex educator, because at that time, uh, Milwaukee had the highest rate of teen parenthood in the nation. And as it turns out, the training that I had received in sex education was very um, much needed. So I, I, I did this work for a number of years, but in the evening, there I was performing rehearsing and on the weekends performing and rehearsing professionally until uh, after I had married my husband said look you can't be gone all day and all night too what feeds your soul what do you really want to do and I said the arts I said I'm not going to make as much money you know as the other he says but you'll be happy yes he said do it go for it and I haven't looked back 
And uh, but after a while, I also realized, though, not having the undergraduate training, that I needed a little more um, assistance in this area, and I needed some credentials to support uh, the work that I was doing. So I was blessed to get a fellowship to study theater directing at UW Madison. So for three years, I basically lived and and worked in in Madison getting the training and also teaching uh, as a graduate student. And when I returned back to Milwaukee with those credentials, it seemed as if people looked at me a little differently and more opportunities came my way, especially uh, to have the opportunity to join the faculty at UW and Peck School of the Arts and now to serve as the head of their musical theater program. That is so inspiring. <laughs> and you and I were you and I were on the mommy track. Um, yes, Calvary, <laughs> Calvary Church. But I never knew that about your uh, early days as being pre med and that science background. Yes, and, <laughs> and that that's that's interesting because I had the the arts at the beginning of my career and went into medicine. So people <laughs> can have some diverse experiences. And uh, and that's what, what adds to our richness of uh, experiences. And I was also uh, impressed to see uh, your scholarly uh, uh, endeavors uh, you're having gone after a, a master's in fine arts? Yes. And in fact, uh, I, I feel so blessed because it was, it, it, uh, I'll just say this is how God uh, is, is supreme and is uh, always guiding. I was given some advice by a woman. I was adjunct at UWM. And they kept giving me more and more opportunities to teach and to direct at UW and Tech School of the Arts. And this wonderful woman um, said to me, who was a faculty member, she says, you know, they're not going to really respect you until you get your further credential. You need the terminal degree. In, in theater, our terminal degree is the, the MFA. That's the equivalent of a PhD. And uh, she says, once you do that, I, I believe many doors will open for you. She said this to me, I'm going to say, uh, like around January, February, around March, this is 2006, I received a call from someone from the University of Wisconsin in Madison saying that my name was mentioned for a fellowship for the directing program because I started directing around Milwaukee and I was so I'm early in my directing career but I was directing at uh, houses that were getting uh, notices or reviews in the, in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and they said your name was mentioned um, this like is really good for you because you'll you'll get a, a fellowship you should really look into it and within um, a few weeks I get a call from um, the, the head of the directing program at UW-Madison and says, like to interview me. And I said, yes, uh, would you be interested? I said, yes. 
And um, then uh, I think it was late April, I get a, a letter of acceptance into the directing program. And one of the things to, to know about directing programs uh, across the country, usually only one or two people are accepted each three, if it's a three-year cycle, and only one or two people are accepted because it, it is uh, so intense. And you, uh, in directing, you have to learn not only your craft of directing, but you have to understand directing, uh, working with choreographers, with your designers, your lighting, your, your sound, your um, costume design, uh, scenic design. So you have to learn a little bit of all of it so that when you're just having these discussions with these wonderfully trained um, theater professionals, theater makers, that you understand. You understand the vocabulary. You understand their their um, viewpoint. I always say, if a if a uh, theater technician, if a designer says no to me having a, the director concede on my uh, idea for a particular production, if they say no, I understand that there's a good reason for the no, and that they will always give me another option. But I learned that. Uh, while at Madison and working under um, um, Norma Saldivar, who was my mentor. So you've learned how to, to rein in your ego and how to work collaboratively with the other people who are part of the production. You mentioned uh, the fact that during the time of your early education, the schools offered the arts yes. and I I was very dismayed when I learned that these programs were no longer going to be made available mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I I really was concerned because there are a variety of things that keep the interests of young people Yes. Uh, it it it's not always math and science. It may be sports, and certainly many of the professional artists receive their early experiences within the public schools. So when you remove that from us, what is there to do but to get into mischief versus Absolutely. Mm -hmm. studying mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. doing something that is creative, um, is healing. And I guess my question to you is with that, we, we allowed that to happen. I can only say that we allowed that to happen. And what are your thoughts about what, needs to be done moving forward to see that we provide a platform for the youth who have these talents but need cultivation to do all that they can do in the arts. One of the things I believe we can do as parents as aunties and uncles and and people who who love our our young people is to 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 advocate for them. 
One of the things, the best thing we can do is vote for people who support not only arts but education in in our public school setting. And I, for, forgive me, I'm, I'm just probably going to open a can of worms, but I believe we have to invest in our Milwaukee public schools. As the, when we started with the charter uh, schools, uh, we siphoned some of the, the money that would have been invested in the Milwaukee public schools because of, you know, you get funding based upon the number of, of students who are enrolled in your school. You know, that magic date, I think it's uh, like the third week of, se of September, and then there's another date that's in October. You look how many students are enrolled, and that's how much money you're going to have to fund um, after-school programming, arts programming, um, STEAM and STEM type of, of programming. So you, we need to have a presence in the schools. We, those of us uh, who have gifts and talents, we need to be in the schools. I, I worked with uh, an arts organization, two of them actually, with a Black Arts NKE as well as First Stage, which actually takes uh, programming into the schools and oftentimes um, offers it at uh, no cost to the schools, uh, uh, and I would, there's, there are also after-school programs that are arts-oriented at places like uh, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, there's uh, above the, Up Above the Clouds Ministry, and so many of the churches also. Oh, and the Wisconsin Conservatory of Music has uh, outreach programs. But I still say it was in the schools where you had choirs, you had singing in the classroom at least once a week. Uh, there was a music supervisor who would come and uh, you would sing in the classroom. Of course, this is a, during a time when every classroom had a piano. If you could uh, add there, but we had a piano in every classroom and every teacher knew how to play these basic chords and we sang in the classroom. We learned how to, to read music, how to sing harmony. I, and to this day, I can harmonize with anything because I was taught, trained, my ear was trained, and I was trained to read music. So it, it's not making any exception. It should be a part of the programming, a part of the curriculum in uh, the school. Other thing is to, to make it affordable again so that the students are able to, to study instruments. I'm going to, going to tell you, I have friends that are surgeons, and almost every one of them plays either, they play the violin, they play the piano, or they play guitar. They play some instrument that gives them dexterity and has hand-eye coordination connected. I, 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 have, I know people who are lawyers. I have worked with lawyers who want to be better at presenting um, depositions and, and making arguments in the, in the courtroom, they have to learn how to be good storytellers in order to convince a jury. When you learn that in theater, in forensics, um, you, you want to, to, um, to attend, be attended to by a, a doctor who can listen to you and explain to you in, in a layperson's terms what, you, what you're, you're experiencing. Uh, you you want to go to a mechanic who can who can talk to you, look you in the eye, and be able to express themselves 
in a way that, that gives you confidence in, in them and that they know what they're talking about. So I, I, I said, you can name any profession. I can tell you how the arts can make them better, stronger in their work. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking up all of the questions and we have the other members of the Sankofa Council and um, what what questions do you have for um, Sherry Williams Pinnell today? Um, good evening. This is um, good evening, Sister Ifua. Um, I'm elated to hear um, your journey, and uh, I'm a proud parent who have witnessed your work. Um, my, um, you've worked with my youngest child through uh, first stage and uh, some other uh, activities, and I can attest to the um, passion and the love you have for our children. Uh, and even when you see them after, uh, the love that you um, shower on them when you see them in the community. And um, I also can witness, um, as you describe, the opportunities as a youth to um, participate in the arts in the schools besides uh, Milwaukee's Recreational Center and our churches. Um, and it is unfortunate that we don't um, have those opportunities anymore for the children that are coming up. Um, so again, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your testimony. Um, it's just an honor to hear you to hear you share. And I so look forward to um, next weekend. Um, the question I have for you um, would be for someone who is still interested in the arts um, now that they're, I would say, in the adult age, um, over 20, um, are there any suggestions that you would give them of pointers of how they can get involved um, in networking and participating in, in the arts here in Milwaukee? Yes, ma'am. And Sister Ifua, this is wonderful. What a privilege uh, to hear your voice and to uh, just to, to know that uh, that you have not only witnessed uh, my work, but I know that I love uh, working with, with young people. But I also know that there are wonderful, wonderfully talented people in our community who are adults who want to experience a fulfillment. and a desire to express themselves in a creative way. There are classes for adults is as uh, actors, novice actors at, at uh, the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. And I can tell you that Bronzeville Arts Ensemble has offered classes to adults in the past. We need to, um, to offer this experience again. So there are two organizations, and just this, just three weeks ago, I was a part of a pilot program that, along with three other um, artists, 
participants that I created called the Welcome Table, and it's for seniors 60 and over. These are people who always say, I always wanted to be on stage. I wanted to perform. There are stories inside of me I want to tell. And it was offered at um, the Clinton and Bernice Rose Senior Center. And for a week, and it was a week intensive, kind of like going to arts camp, but for, for grown folks, we offered from 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday, theater, dance, and uh, visual arts experience. So they did some writing, some dancing, storytelling, and we shared in a soul food meal every day. And when I say soul food, I'm talking about a really healthy soul food meal every day that was prepared, especially for this group of, of I wanted 15 seniors, but I had 17 that came and came every day. They were so um, elated with what they were experiencing. So I'm hoping that this program will be replicated uh, throughout Milwaukee County in the various senior citizen centers. So we'll see what happens. I still have to write my report and, and see if it's deemed uh, worthy of replication. So yes, there are those experiences. And I'll say right now, the classes that, that are ongoing for adults are at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Uh, and uh, in fact, Lakita Caldwell, who is one of my partners in creativity, is one of the instructors uh, for, for their uh, adult acting course. Thank you. You're welcome. And Mother Sarta, are you with us? Um, I'm just enjoying the information that you're sharing, and um, I'm looking forward to next week's um, performances. Um, it sounds really exciting and interesting, and the talkback pieces, especially um, as a part of the um, program next week. And I appreciate your presence. Thank you for the invitation. and. I can't wait to see everyone there. We have to, to especially at the, at the talk back uh, experiences, please make sure that, that you come and, uh, and find me so that I can greet you in person. Well, I'm really intrigued about the play. If I'm not mistaken, there is a play that has been written uh, related to the violence uh, within the community. Could you? Yes, Share a little more about that. Yes, uh, I was approached by Portia Cobb and introduced, who is one of my colleagues at the Pet School of the Arts, and introduced to Ms. Deborah Gillespie. Ms. Gillespie is the founder of Mothers Against Gun Violence. She says, um, we have transcripts of survivors of gun violence. And they have shared their story. And she says, I think it would make a good play. And when she said that, I almost took my breath away because I was like, oh, my Lord. I was, I'll say, I was nervous because I thought, oh, my goodness, what, 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 is, what is this? What is, so she said, just read, just, just read the story. So I have to tell you, on their website, Milwaukee Stories, uh, 
about gun violence. I read through these stories, and I'm telling you, I'm crying. I'm, I'm so so moved. And yet, there were a few stories. In fact, nine of them, the ones that I've chosen to feature in this play, that these are, are people who said, look, yeah, I, I went through this. This happened to me. But guess what? I am not a victim. I am a survivor, and I am a thriver. They have taken their experience and turned it in, each one of them, into a movement. And and. And when you come to see the play, you'll see what I'm talking about. So I titled this Milwaukee Voices of Gun Violence because they are all Milwaukeeans, greater Milwaukeeans. They have um, survived this, this experience. But the other part of the title is Resilient, Resolute, and Revolutionary because they are resilient. They, are, they have come out stronger, resolute. They have made up their minds about how they're going to be viewed and how they're going to respond and revolutionary because every one of them has gone on to found programs or ministries to help other survivors, to help someone else. And that really is a strength of when we experience trauma, when we experience some form of harm or, or negative experience, if we can find a way to help other people who are going through the same thing. That's what, you know, mothers against drunk driving, mothers uh, uh, and against gun violence, any group uh, um, that exists to help other people who experience something similar, that is empowerment, that is revolutionary. And then you move from being a victim, move from even being a survivor to a thriver. And that's what we want. There are things that we're going to experience uh, hurt, negativity. We're going to have some experiences in our lives, but it's how we respond to it. So this is a piece of what we call documentary theater because based on something that's real, something that you can actually find in the uh, in the news, you find the 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 documentation that supports this being a truth. This something that really happened, and then it's turned into a piece of theater with the intent to making people aware and hopefully inspiring people to do something, inspiring them to do. Well, we often talk about the need for healing. Yes. And um, healing is not um, a matter of massage or <laughs> a certain medication, um, but it presents in many forms. And and some people ask the question about us uh, in our broadcast uh, incorporating uh, music and spoken word. And we find that there is the artist has taken the time to use 
their talent mm-hmm. in a way to tell a story that that hits our soul. Yes, yes, yes. You know, this is the. I remember when I was thinking about uh, the theater. For me, my theater is not only just an art form. For me, it's a it's a form of ministry. I'm just. If anybody who knows me knows this, this to be true. And I see the theater, for me, is a sacred space. It's a place of healing. Uh, it's a place of, of informing. It, it, it's a place of, of, of creation. In fact, you know, when, when you think about uh, a theater and what we do, we, we create art. In the work of creating for me, I'm being informed in a very spiritual way. Uh, it's like the I, I'm allowing the creator to use me to get out this art, to birth this art. It's a very spiritual thing for me. It's not true for every artist, but because of my background, because of of even um, interesting. It, it, it as a African-American performer, you can always tell when there is a, a black production. I'm just going to, it's just the truth. We will always pray before we go on stage. <laughs> we do. We, uh, you'll, you'll hear uh, people, you know, talking about how uh, they, uh, as they were running their lines, that, oh, it came to me. I, I see this differently. Or I was inspired to. Or even at night, you know, I, I was dreaming, and and I had this this vision, <laughs> and and it helped me to understand what that passage of, of text meant. Or, or as as working on uh, Milwaukee Voices of Gun Violence, working with uh, I love this Ashley Jordan who is in the cast, and I have some movement incorporated into a one uh, one scene, and you know she says to me, Oh, Miss Sherry, I was I was praying and. And this is what, what came to me, and, and I want to share this movement. I say, yes, ma'am, share. By all means, share. We, we speak in a, in a language that's very different. And when you work in, I'll say, some other settings outside of the black theater, you don't always have that freedom to bring in that spiritual uh, um, aspect of creation. But it's still there. <laughs> but it is still there. So uh, that's one of the joy of, of either working on the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival, um, being around people who, who get it, who, who understand uh, what it is that we're, you're creating and why, why it is so important. Well, we are very uh, pleased to have you with us sharing with us uh, this experience and we hope that there are uh, others of our listeners who will participate they've got enough time to hop a plane and get on over here to Milwaukee to see what we have to offer oh I would love that I would love that. Yes, yes. And, but I would uh, 
so we we want that invitation extended if you could just uh review with us again if there's a website that has the uh activities for the coming week and if you could just uh quickly uh you could go over this again so that people know what what joy what jewels that are coming their way this week yes if you visit blackartmke.org black arts mke black black arts mke.org you'll you'll get to a website and then you'll see milwaukee black theater festival it will have the schedule and the program is a digital program you know we everybody's going paperless these days so you can actually go to the website see the digital program there's even a qr code that you can um, use on your phone you'll see the whole listing of the schedule as well as all the participants uh, in the schedule and i want to share this in cultivating the uh, the young people who are coming up we have two young people who have been studying theater tech and production at UWM Peck School of the Arts. These two young people are our interns, and we understand the value of time. These are paid internships. So these young people who are going to be seniors this year in the theater department are getting the practical experience, the mentoring, so that when they graduate, they will have um, a, a lot of, of experience and knowledge that they can use as they venture into the world of professional theater. And these um, offerings, um, they carry a charge? Are they free? Free. What? Free. It's free. We this this year especially is this year where we have a live audience we don't want anyone to have an excuse not to attend most of the performances there are two each day of the same performance offered free the only ticket charge ticket is for our fundraiser the saturday night fundraiser everything else is offered free of charge and you can't beat that you're saying four letter <laughs> words capital f-r-e-e <laughs> Definitely can't do that. To be to be uh, entertained, to be enriched and free. Yes. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but and and know this that we do re we respect though everyone that is involved in the festival. So because it's, we have our sponsorship and underwritten, but we're all professionals. So everyone is paid, even the, the young children that are in the in the showcases, because we want them to learn early, to to invest in their talent, and to recognize that their talent has worth. What a blessing! This is, and so their families can't tell them it's a hobby. <laughs> and Sherry, what what plans? Do, what's in your future that you? have uh, charted. I know this. You, you're not by any means finished, but are there some <laughs> plans that you'd like to share with us? Well, I'll, I'll 
share with you, I'm very vested in the history of Milwaukee. And I started writing the uh, Brownsville Trilogy. I've had two plays that have been produced in the Brownsville Trilogy. I have one more to go. And I have just been um, commissioned to write about another community in Milwaukee, but I'll let them make the official announcement when the time comes. And I also am writing a children's musical with three other wonderful um, artists from the Milwaukee area. Uh, and this is an uplifting musical that uh, it's for all people, but it's telling a story through the voice of a, a young black girl. <laughs> so I, I want to continue to write. And, and now going from uh, writing the, the plays into more of the musicals, because that's what I teach musical theater. So I want the opportunity to experience what it means to actually to write one, to contribute to writing one. And I at the, I've been charged with growing the program at the Peck School of the Arts, the musical theater program, and it's happening. But I want to encourage more young people uh, who are of what we call the global majority, not BIPOC, but global majority, to come to UWM uh, Peck School of the Arts. Um, some of our most talented young ones oftentimes get recruited to other places outside of the state. But once they get there, they find out they don't have the support they need to remain there and complete their training. So we want them to come to us first and get the nurturing, to get the training, and to be able to complete the programs that they start. Well, that that is uh, very, uh, ambitious, but we know that you're going to make it happen. Thank you. I'm sure going to try. <laughs> well, you've been doing it, so that attests to the fact of trying. You're 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 putting it into into action. So again, Thank you. Thank I you. appreciate that. Uh, if I may, be, Dr. James, before you have another question, let me invite those that would like to learn more about the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee and the elders, learn why we sponsor this program, understand our purpose and mission, we invite you and we welcome you to participate as well. You can always contact us at SankofaCouncilMilwaukee at gmail.com. And I give it back to you. Well, you know, we've been rolling, and uh, I want to give Sherry one uh, last time before we wrap up. Sherry, is there, is there any more message that you would like to share with our global audience that that's on your heart? Give it to us. Uh -huh. We're ready. Well, I would globally, uh, I would like to encourage each of, of your Sankofa um, council members and those who are your supporters and listeners to please get involved in the arts in your community, support the arts, especially that which is being produced by your African-American uh, theaters and your, your, your dance theaters, your, your choirs. Uh, support their art. 
And sometimes that supporting of your art means you, it's not always going to be free. You may have to purchase that ticket, but it's worth the investment. And also, if you have young people who are in your lives and they are interested in the arts, don't discourage them. I really have become a believer that if you are doing that which you have been called to do, um, that your, your work will be blessed. You will be able to have um, the, the career that uh, you, you dream of because you will work hard for it. You will train hard for it. You will invest of yourself and your time uh, to, in order to fulfill yourself in that, that art form. So please in, encourage them. Uh, and even if they decide they don't want to do it professionally, it will help them be um, a, a, the better of whatever vocation or application they would choose. They will be able to incorporate that training and build confidence building that comes from the arts. Well, that certainly is a very valuable message. And I'm so happy that you were here to share that message with us. And um, we, we thank you for coming on with us um, and uh, bringing this message, the many messages that you have brought to our listeners and to the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee. It certainly is um, um, time that, that we value, we appreciate greatly this opportunity with you. And uh, we have, uh, would like to go to our sponsor. Um, and if we could get a, a sponsor message, that would be good. And we thank you again, Sherry Williams Pinnell, for being with us to talk with us about the Milwaukee Black Theater Festival. Well, I thank you, Sankofa Council, and my sister, Janine James. God bless you. You can bless me, sister. Thank you. Well, our sponsor. Go ahead, sister. Our sponsor is EDOC Advice at www.edocadvice.com. We provide specific medical answers to those seeking a better understanding about the medical conditions and health. Our experienced and resourceful team can research your concern with answers to the questions you have about your health, medical condition, or other challenges. We know how to get things done to keep you safe and feeling good and healthy. So go today, any other day, to www.edocadvice.com. That's www.edocadvice.com. C-O-M. Back to you, Dr. Jane. And Sister Fua, Mother uh, Asarta, Queen Mother, uh, have any of you had the opportunity to have 
uh, an experience or training uh, in music, in art, in dance? Yes, I have. Oh, tell um, us. Actually, I've had even I have a musical family. My mother, as I was listening to uh, Sister Sherry, uh, my mother taught piano, and uh, she also played in the church. Um, so it brought back memories for me. And again, um, I experienced um, in the rec programs um, and also in the churches in my community, modern dance, um, ballet, um, we even modeled. Um, so we had a lot of support um, in the black community. And I would have to say this all occurred before um, segregation, when everyone started moving into or out of the, the core of the black community. Um, it was very supportive. A lot of love, and like as Sister Shirley talked about, um, in the church, when you got a chance to perform in front of the congregation, the love and the support and encouragement that was always given to the youth, um, that's where a lot of the honing came in and the grooming of our children um, that you just don't see um, as you used to. Mother Sarka? Well, my limited um, participation in the arts goes back to um, singing in the choir, of course, in the church, had my own song. Um, and in high school, I did do some, take a, a theatrical uh, elective. Um, I definitely have encouraged my daughters growing up to participate in the arts as well with modeling and uh, uh, dancing, Kofi dance classes and those kinds of things. And I appreciate the arts. I appreciate every, every um, category of it. So I truly enjoy it, especially the black arts because they do provide a story and encouragement to our people. Thank you. And Queen Mother Shabaka, anything, any background in the, in the arts? She may not be here. She may have stepped away. Queen Mother Chewbacca, are you with us? Okay. Well, I guess it's time to say I do. It is. And we would like to thank everyone for joining today with our special guest, Ms. Shirley William Parnell. Um, thank Dr. Rogers, who is celebrating his birthday today. Special happy birthday and thank you. And to the production staff, the Sankofa Council for its support of this program. We look forward to bringing to you more programs that we hope you will enjoy. Visit our sponsor, uh, www.edocadvice.com 
and the um, Findlay Medical Clinic. Good night. Stay safe. And the St. Kosa family and all of you. Until next time, your host, Dr. Janine James, co-host, sister, a school, my aunt, and mother, a certa auntie. Have a great evening. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mays pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 832 or report from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. Will not be televised. Will not be televised. Will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. Because the revolution will be...